Hey, 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 guess what today is? It's episode two of Artifice. Today, you'll hear my interview with hip-hop dancer and choreographer Mark Cameron. Mark is a two-time world champion hip-hop artist who started his dance career in England and then relocated to Utah where he does all kinds of things, including owning his own dance studio, The Dance Project, SLC. Mark also teaches at Brigham Young University. He directs and produces the Urban Fairy Tales series, and he raises money for the Utah Food Bank with his Peanut Butter Jam Project. In this episode, Mark and I talk about the importance of following your dreams, how the arts can unify people and help us find purpose, and the potential that teachers have to change the lives of our students. And we also talk a little about how to deal with the figurative dirty diapers of our professions. All right, enjoy. Sometimes art feels like magic, pure, visionary, and sometimes it's brought to you in part by focus groups and algorithms. And the makers of art are no different. We're creatives, sure, but we're also salespeople. We need imagination and imitation. We need deep, meaningful connections, but we also have to network. Yep, even if you're an introvert. And that's my point. Balancing vulnerability with veneer is tricky, and it's a struggle we don't often share. So let's share. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. This episode of Artifice is brought to you by Let's Make Art. The team at Let's Make Art understands that not everybody has the time and space to create, so they make it easy by providing paints, paper, tutorials, and inspiration for watercolorists of all levels. As a professional musician, I'm always needing new inspiration and new ways to explore my creativity. Let's Make Art helps me set aside time each week to work with my eyes and hands and give my ears a little break so I can get back to music feeling refreshed and re-engaged. To join the Let's Make Art community, visit www.letsmakeart.com and use promo code ARTIFICE, that's all caps, A-R-T-I-F-I-C-E, for 10% off brushes from now until May 1st. There you go. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. I'll just sit. Um, okay, so let's get started. Okay. Um, I and like I said, I just kind of want to. I just want to chat with you about kind yeah. of your experience and your beliefs and your strategies. So um, let's let's get some background. So um, so you're you're from Europe. I'm from what, Europe. Yeah, what, I was born in England. In, in England. England. Yeah. Sweet. And I lived there majority of my life. Um, I'd like to say I'm pretty well traveled. I've traveled a lot. Yeah, that's great. Um, but I'd never lived anywhere outside of England. Um, when, I, when did you, when did you move? So I've been here eight, just over eight years now. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So let's talk about, um, child Mark. Oh, wow. Um, so when you were a kid, <laughs> a long time ago. um, tell me about kind of like, I love to ask people, how did sort of your, your creativity manifest itself when you were a child? Did you, did you start with dance? Were you doing other stuff? Were you doing a lot of stuff? What was yeah, going on with I, you? I actually love telling this story because I think it's actually very inspirational for the kids that I teach. Yeah. Um, and empowering for people that maybe aren't sure of where they want to go, what they want to do. Yes. Um, I think it's important that adults share their experiences for what they are and are authentic about it. I think so too. So, um, yeah, for me, I grew up very poor. Uh, my parents um, were split when I was around four and a half, five. Um, didn't pay welfare or anything like that. So yeah. mum was on her own with me, my sisters, and later her brother. Um, huge amount of debt. So we just didn't have much. Yeah. And I remember growing up, I had no, 
idea that there were dance studios or dance classes you could go to. Yeah. Um, you know, just to give an example, we we were just getting a VHS player when people already had DVD players. That's the kind of lifestyle we were sure. living. But we didn't. We weren't unhappy. We didn't feel like we didn't have anything. In fact, like you said, I think that's part, kind of what maybe spawned my creativity. Yeah. We would do this kind of thing as kids. We would press the record button and yeah. pretend to do radio stations, and you know, cool. we, we would we would uh, with your siblings or yeah, friends my siblings, or just yeah, yeah mm-hmm. cool. And so then we pretend to be the artists and sing the songs and yeah. pretend to be you know and do interviews and eat on each other. We I would write stories. Um, I would draw a lot. Um, so I was very drawn towards creative activity anyway. Um, you know, as an older adult, we always talk about the effect that phones have had on people. Yeah. You know, not having them and not having certain toys, I had to That's make right. my you own gotta fun be creative. and be more creative. You yeah. know, I was quite happy to climb a tree and jump from tree to tree. Yeah. You know, all these different things that I think were very, very, um, a good foundation for me to kind of have yeah. some creativity flowing. But funnily enough, um, I saw Michael Jackson yeah. um, wow. perform the moonwalk at the Motown 25 awards and it was on tv and on I, was TV. My, I was at my grandma's yeah. house i must have been five you know five yeah. at the time. oh my gosh and i remember being blown away Just seeing this this guy yeah i've seen this guy <laughs> and i was blown away and i wasn't necessarily a dancer then i again didn't know about dance studios but i learned to do the moonwalk there and then i rewound the vhs till it yeah. was like you know fuzzy and i couldn't see it properly and i was doing it everywhere and yeah, so um, when I was a kid, somebody gave me for like a birthday of Michael Jackson DVD of like music videos. There you go. And I, I used to do the same thing, like try to learn like a little sequence. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny <laughs> you're saying that failed, a lot of but... people have that, I've noticed. Yeah. Whether you're a dancer or not, there's been things that people have seen that kind of make you feel like, oh, I want to do that or that looks fun. Yeah. I want to enjoy that like yeah. that person does. Sorry, I interrupted um, you. No, no, no. You're yeah. good. You're good. And, and so... That was, um, there's a lot of key moments in my life that when I look back at it, yeah. I really feel like it's the Lord having his hand in kind of placing certain things in the way sure. that have led me to what I'm doing now. Because learning the moonwalk didn't make me think I'm going to be a dancer. Right. Didn't make me think I'm going to be a dance teacher and own a studio with 230 girls. Yeah. It, does not on it my, just was a spark. Yeah. It was just a little spark. 100%. Great. So fast yeah, so forward to 1988. This is 10 years That's later. That's when I was born. There you go. 10 years <laughs> later. 10 years later. So I was born in 78. 10 years later, I'm in a school. I'm at school and very shy. The complete opposite yeah. of how people see me now. I was sure. very, very shy. I can relate to that. Yeah. I just, you know, and went into into upper school and, and um, they had a school disco. And I'm excited to go and I go there and they play Michael Jackson's Bad. So I then just think, well, this is the song that I, this yeah, is what I do at home. I already know it. Yeah. So yeah. I start dancing away and wow. I kid you not, it's like a movie. They create what's obviously we now call a cipher. This circle gets created. All these kids that don't know me are cheering me on to dance. The DJ at that point um, makes a shout out to me, gives me the vinyl record. Wow. The school teachers give me um, a free bag of crisps. And then all the kids pick me up like... Um, Oh my gosh. Uh, and, and carry me through the school, you know, up high. Yeah. And I never had that experience in my life. And, yeah, and wow. I, it was just absolutely euphoric. And I'm thinking, what on earth? Just for me doing what I do in my bedroom. Yeah. People, I'm sure that was like transformative for you. 100%. Yeah. And one of the school teachers there did a school play every year and decided to do Cinderella, but took out the prince and put in Michael Jackson. Oh, amazing. And had me able to perform on stage and do just my freestyle to, you know, this stuff. I love that story. I, I'm, I know you're not done. But I love, I love that your teacher did that. I, you know, the more artists that I talk to, the more that I find that we have these kind of special people along the way, like 
you know, making room for our like little personalities. Mm -hmm. That's great. Mm -hmm. Shout out to that teacher. 100%. His name's Mr. Gay. I actually have him on my Facebook now. <clears throat> Sweet. And I went out of my way. I, I was able to find a video of that performance. Yeah, wow. That I have. And I had, I, I've tracked him down just to let him know I have all this now yeah. from something as simple as you seeing totally. a talent. I, I agree a hundred percent. And the funny thing about that is, is then it's that whole each one teach one or paying it forward. Right. I try to do that with my students now. Same. There's more to it than just the dancing. I'm trying to figure out you and I want you to figure out you yeah. and what that means for what you're going to do next in your life. Feel strongly about um, that as well. Yeah, very much so. And the arts for me is a great way to do it because it's very reflective of just how life is in general. There's a lot of room. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so you did Cinderella as Michael Jackson. Yes. Um, and then, funnily enough, I started coming up against roadblocks. Um, yeah. Racism was was a thing. Sure. I, I faced that in a big way. And um, it's not the same maybe in, a, in England as it is in the States. Because in the States, there's such a deep-seated right. underlying of history that I haven't been experienced and or haven't been privy to. Mm. I've never had concerns with police in England. Yeah. And yet coming here, I've been searched or been yeah. you know i've never I'm had sorry. that no, it's, it's it's fine i, I mean it's... i'm actually no i i mean i'm saying fine and i'm careful on the podcast i'm like i'm not yeah, saying yeah, it's yeah. fine but i am okay in sure. the sense that i am a um very sure of myself not yeah. to be afraid of any of those things good um initially i was shook the first time when i came to the states i was like yeah. it's gonna be rodney king all over again that's all totally. i know all i know to compare to from someone outside the country right but as a, as, a, as a black man now, as a business owner, as a, as a, as a husband and a, and a wife and a calling at church and doing the things that I do, I'm like, I'm very secure in myself to not worry about yeah. some of these things. So what was it like in Europe when you, when you started having those roadblocks? Like what, what kind of experiences were you having? So um, this is why I like telling this story actually is, is there was a guy in my street. I'm not going to mention his name. Um, I mean, I don't know where he is now and what he's doing, but um, that's blatantly outwardly racist right to my face wow. out there i remember it was christmas time one time my sister and i i must be what 12 13 and my sister's four years younger than me we're looking out the, the window look at the snow at christmas and there's this guy and he's across the way from us and you can see him red in the face hurling all sorts of abuse at us oh and saying sort of stuff and we actually thought it was funny because we're like I, we can't hear what you're saying because right. the, the window yeah, is yeah, shut. yeah yeah you don't know but as an adult looking back at him like this is a grown man who's in his 40s or whatever you know, hurling this abuse at these yeah. two young kids. And there was me and another friend of mine across the road who were black and there was only two of us in the street. Wow. And sometimes we'd play in soccer or messing around with our friends and he would just come out and say, run. No oh questions asked. Gosh. And we would have to just run. And Darren and I would split up and run off as far as we could anywhere yeah. and meet up later on. And now we really do talk about it and laugh. It's, yeah. it's For us, it's okay. childhood memories. Yeah. But... When I think about it, I'm like, but wait a minute, that, that wasn't quite right. Though. Yeah. So <laughs> but, how did that affect your kind of the beginning um, of your, you know, your your It affected career. me because it was something where there was times when I didn't want to be black. Yeah. And I had no choice over that. But there was times right. when I did, I literally didn't want to be black. And there were times when I was like, because of that, um, I don't know that I can do certain things. Sure. Yeah, um, I think when you're a kid, you just don't want to be different. Exactly. You know? And then when you're an adult, you really want to. Yeah. It's it that kind whole of thing of diverges somewhere, especially in so. art. And especially when it's like there's a, a an experience I had where there's a, there was a girl that I was I really liked, not necessarily to date, even just as a friend. Yeah. Gave her a hug, and a, a father pushed me away. Oh my and, gosh. And said, "You know, you ever go near her again, I'll kill you." And I'm I'm about 14, 15 at this time. So you started kind of feeling as a dancer, like just aware of maybe 
So funny enough, it wasn't so much as a dancer because like at this point, okay. I still never been to a class, still never done any kind of, this is all in my okay, bedroom or this is all out in my street with my, you know, my stereo and doing it on the street and stuff. But it was more a case of I was feeling like I couldn't fully be myself. Sure. Yeah. And I firmly believe that <clears throat> whatever you're doing to really get the joy out of it and happiness out of it, you have to be authentic about it and do it yeah. from the, you know, from your heart. Right. So, so it stifled some of my dancing, I think in that sense. Okay. Yeah. So it was a little bit of a setback. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then lo and behold, this is where the States comes into play. Um, obviously, this is the birthplace of hip hop in particular. Yeah. And um, for me, growing up as a kid, not just Michael Jackson, but artists in general, I'm seeing people being celebrated for what they're good at and what mm-hmm. they do well, whether it be Michael Jordan. I Before the dance, I thought I was going to be a basketball player. That's yeah. what I thought. And I was going to play professional basketball in England yeah. before I started dancing. I didn't dance until I was actually 21. That's the first time I went to a dance class. Wow. So... Um, it was just the idea of being all of a sudden seeing people that's like, right. oh, I, I can do that. That's, yeah. I can do that. There's an example of, like I said, someone that creates a spark. Yeah. And uh, for the most part, my peers, whether it be my bishop at church, whether it be my um, mentor at school, whether it be my teacher, none of them were black, mm. you know, and you might think, well, it doesn't matter. It's because we're human. But to a child, a lot of time yeah. we're taking it at face value. And so we do see that there's a difference there though. Yeah, You're not totally. having to deal with what I deal with or don't understand fully what I'm going through. Right. And the same vice versa. So there's always a certain amount of disconnect. Um, and so what happened is when I'd see these Michael Jordans or Michael Jacksons or whatever, I'm talking about, man, I can see my face on that body doing yeah. that thing. Wow. Yeah, it's different to if I'm seeing Tom Cruise, you know, good right. looking guy, all the ladies love him, like, but they love him. Right. Because he's Tom Cruise. Yeah. I can't be Tom Cruise. Right. Yeah. So I'd struggle. Sure. And so, so you uh, start seeing people that yeah. you kind of feel and the like states is what you, brought you that can to see me. yourself. Cool. And at the time, basketball was huge. Yeah. You know, uh, Magic Johnson's there, Michael Jordan, all these huge stars. And I'm like, man, yeah, that, I like that. That's yeah. So I start playing basketball. Okay. I've got post- posters all over my wall. I sleep with my basketball. Yeah. You know, everywhere I go, <laughs> just, everything's basketball. Yeah. But I'm still dancing in the street. I'm still dancing in my room. I'm still cool. singing and messing around. And I'm still me. Yeah. So fast forward now to being, let's say, 18. I still haven't gone to a dance class yet. I've got all this inner ability that I don't really share with anyone. No one knows Mark yeah. as a dancer. But you've been exploring. Yeah. Oh, Great. 100%. Okay. But no one knows me as a dancer at all. Okay. But 18, you know, in 18, you're an adult in England and everything's legal. Yeah. And... You know, I, I wanted to go to the clubs. I've, I've never drank in my life. I wasn't concerned with the drink or anything. I wanted to go out and socialize and dance and be able to just let this out and yeah. just do something with it. So um, especially where I lived in Milton Keynes, it was a very small, newer city. I start going out and doing my thing and yeah. I'm realizing, wow, I'm getting the same recognition I got when I was 10 right. doing that Michael Jackson yeah. thing in the, in the, in the, in the um, school. So all of a sudden at 18, bearing in mind I grew up poor, I had welfare glasses, you know, holy shirt, all these kind of whatever yeah. else. Never was able to get Nike shoes or any of these kind of things. Sure. All of a sudden I'm dancing and I'm the cool kid. Yeah. And, you know, it went went straight to my head. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Went straight to my head. <laughs> you know, girls are giving me their numbers. You know, the doormen at the clubs are, are know who I am. Yeah. You know, people are like, oh, yeah, it's only good when you're here, Mark. Let's go. Let's. And at the time, my nickname was Men in Black because um, I would go out of my way to go in a suit. I yeah. was all, you know, and I was looking slick like Will Smith. Yeah. And everyone's kind of, you know, thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was loving this. Yeah. Um, you know, I did get carried away with it. And I think fast forward to being 21 and uh, 
f- finding a, a serious girlfriend and settling down and, and um, dance, finally finding a dance class and dancing at this point is where I started having my um, questions of what life was about yeah. for me or what I wanted to do or explore. It was like, totally the way I'd grown up, I grew up in such a rough area, such a rough, rough, you know, for Utah, people talk about places like, I don't know, Rose Park or, you know, West West, West you know, where I lived was worse in the sense mm-hmm. that we don't have guns in England. But I mean, I was privy to on a daily basis seeing needles on the floor, yeah. condoms lying around, grown men fighting, you know, me being just right there, walking yeah. on my own to school. Yeah. You know, so it's a very normal thing for me. And, and so to have the chance of getting out of that, getting my right. own job, paying my own way, being able to get myself some cool clothes, being able to date and all these things, I was just on cloud nine. Yeah. And Wait, so were you thinking, maybe you're about to say this, but at that point when you're kind of having this thought, like, I want to have some more stability or, you know, more options, were you connecting that to dance then? No, funnily enough. Um, okay, so you were thinking about other things. Dance was purely my outlet. Okay. Purely my way to, and this is funny because, again, reflective of hip hop culture and how it was created, it was exactly that. Yeah. The, the, the culture it's itself was to prevent, prevent the um the 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 the, the gang violence the the mm. drugs this was a way to be able to come out of that you know in the Bronx at the time right put that energy or or angst or something yeah, kind of into in something Bronx, productive these kids and that, has, that have got these great minds and great abilities right. and stuff and yet it's being used in ways that just weren't productive for sure. them to move forwards and so as kids without adults they were able to come together and say let's find a way to be able to actually stop ourselves from killing each other. Let's yeah. find a way to move forwards. And this was my savior. This was stopping me from, you know, going down certain paths and doing yeah. certain things. So when you started, sorry, you're oh, probably yeah. just about to say it. So when you started taking the dance class, was that still a hobby or like? Yes. So okay. funnily enough with the dance class, I started off doing jazz. That's Great. Bearing in mind, I was doing hip hop or Michael Jackson stuff in the, in the streets or yeah. Vanilla Ice, MC Hammer, all these sure. different things. I was dating this girl who's my first serious girlfriend. And this is what I mean about the hand in the reason things happening for a reason. Yeah. You know, I'm obviously not with this girl now. I've got, I have a wife and I'm, my life's in a very different place being that I'm in the States. But um, I was dating her for six months and then randomly found out that she danced. And I was oh. like, I didn't even know that. This is crazy. I want to go to your dance class. I want to yeah. watch you. And for me as a young lad, I just want to see her in a leotard, you know, <laughs> doing her thing. Yeah. And so, so I turn up to the class and I'm sitting there cool as, you know. I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the teacher actually says, similar to my teacher back in the day as a, yeah. as a mentor, she's like, you can't sit here and just watch these people and not be involved. Either yeah, you got to get in the arena. Dance yeah. Or wait outside until we yeah, finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I say to myself, oh, what's well, fine. I'm black. I can dance. I'm fine. And I was rubbish. Yeah, you didn't have... It was jazz technique. I had no idea. Yeah. yeah. But I enjoyed it. I loved it. It was fun. Um, I didn't feel ridiculed. I felt like, you know, it was a safe place. So so I went back the next week. Um, Long story short, within a few months, the teacher, similar to my mentor back in the day, could see something Mm. in me. And I'm very grateful for that because she said, you know, Mark, I'll tell you what, how about you come on a Saturday and teach some of my boys I have here some of your cool moves? Yeah. Because I've seen your moves and they're kind of cool, but it's not what I do. So you teach right. them that and I'll let you come to my class for free. Amazing. So I'm like, great. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll take that up. So I did it, not thinking about where it would lead. It was right. just something to do. Sure. Um, and again, within a few months, she's like, Mark, you have a natural ability of communication or, or building a rapport mm-hmm. with these kids. How would you like to take her, take her teach training program? Yeah. And again, I'm not seeing the longer term goal. Right, it's just, it's a hobby I'm at like, this point. Yeah, yeah, why not? It'd be good to have that under my belt. It's 
gives me something to do with my girlfriend while I'm, you know. Yeah. So I did it. And um, I come from an era where obviously, you know, or, or even just the way I was brought up, you know, you don't just flip between jobs and, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have 10 different jobs. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I, I was at a hotel and worked there for seven years, mm. knowing that wasn't going to be my career. Yeah. Um, because I need to make sure I'm working right. and making money. That's stability. And making a living yeah. while I figure out whatever it is I'm going to do. Sure. So luckily with that hotel, I've been there for so long that um, while I was doing this dance thing, the hotel was a platform for me to have the funds for it. Um, okay. to, to get about and do whatever else and at the same time I was able to wean off of the hotel and go to part time or change my hours around by figuring out later on how to start doing more with my dancing yeah um, you know and, and that was for me was a huge lesson that I try and teach the kids is like I've been able to pursue my dreams but I did have to have prioritise about yeah. how things my mum was very very sick um, at one point we thought we was going to lose her and, and me and my sisters and my brother had to do a lot to kind of maintain the house or to just to yeah. survive each other and, and deal with sure. you know and and the lessons learned in being able to still take care of real life things right and then also not put your dreams on hold though yeah you still have to start doing the things you totally. really want to do and find your own happiness so one of the reasons that i like to start at the beginning i think sometimes people are baffled by this idea of like you know maybe maybe what i would call like the the middle class artist or just mm-hmm. people who are doing art professionally full-time but aren't Michael Jackson you know Mm -hmm. or uh, Mm -hmm. um and I think I think sometimes people people I don't know they think that you need like some big sign when you're a child that you're like the best and you're a star Mm -hmm. um and and part of the reason I want to have this conversation is to talk about these kinds of things like you know when you have a passion for 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 an art medium or, or, you know, you have a creative passion and you're kind of trying to think practically like, you know, what should I do? Should I try to pursue this as a career? Should I do something else? Um, and I find, I think a lot of times those of us that make it work, you know, without some kind of an insane, you know, big global lucky break mm-hmm. and those of us who are kind of just like plugging away, making it work, Part of it is just being practical about it right from the beginning, mm-hmm. not thinking about like having some huge, you know, life changing event that you're just kind of waiting for it to happen, but mm-hmm. you're just being smart, plugging away, mm-hmm. transitioning from your hotel job mm-hmm. to dancing more and really being thinking about that. So I, I like that. I love that story. So it's funny you saying that because I had a long conversation with some of my older students yesterday because they were at these crossroads. Some of them are about right. to graduate or they're just in the first year of college or they wanted to try and sign up with an agency for dancing or these different things. And it's funny because whether it is a creative medium or whether it's um, being a lawyer or a doctor or whatever it is you're deciding yeah. to do, like you said, that that you, you hope that there is some sort of plan of action. But unfortunately, it's never talked about. Right. Yeah. And so as a I kid, totally even agree. for myself, I'm like, no one told me how to go about it. Right. So... Is it luck? Is it just, like you said, does this person just happen to get this lightning bolt that gives them that spark to do whatever? Because no one had told me. I remember my careers advisors at school would be talking about the usual, go to university, then ask university, yeah. you got your degree, go do this. And, you know, a lot of people talk about the pitfalls of that, that I've got a degree, but now what to do with it? I mean, sure. I'm in debt. I've got to take years to pay that off and all these different, different things. My wife has a degree. She's a master esthetician. It's worked for her. She's doing great with it. Cool. I don't have a degree. And yeah. yet I'm a professor at a university. How yeah. does that work? Yeah. You know, it, it's very individual and you have to be aware of it being individual for you. I and think you're right. And so where that stems from 
is actually nurturing a sense of confidence in oneself. Yes, I totally agree. And that's the hardest thing in this day and age because, like I said, it probably sounds like a tangent now, but with the phones and the comparisons and the media and what's going on is we're constantly in a state of comparing. Yeah. Um, even myself, I'll be honest, I come in, I'm like, whoa, this is a real nice house you've got. Oh, thanks. And then straight away I'm thinking, crap, look at my house. This is, But this is what happens that people do naturally as people. Right. And it's trying to teach them to get out of that habit. You can't necessarily help having the initial thoughts, but it's learning to control those thoughts and realize that actually, no, I'm happy with what I've got. I am happy with my house. I'm happy with my wife and my child and my yeah. living situation. You yeah. know, the whole thing of having a higher class, a lower class, a poor class. There's a there's a um, documentary called Happy on Netflix. Yeah, I, and it, I haven't seen it. It's I amazing. think I've seen it like on there, but... Yeah, and it talks about what it. constitutes happiness. Because you can have mm -hmm. the average person in, in, in America that earns 50 grand might be just as happy as someone in an outback of Africa with a mud hut right. who's earning way less. But for them and they're, what they're used to as their norm, they're just as happy. Right. And so it's all about, you know, people talk about first world problems and third world problems yeah, yeah, being yeah. different. It's a mindset. It's a mindset. I think so too, which is why I feel like this conversation is so important because when we tell young artists or young adult artists, you know, this isn't really, you're not really, it might not be for you or it's not really practical. Mm -hmm. I just think like, oh, come on, like mm -hmm. what's practical? Like, so yeah, I, li I like hearing people's stories of, of how they're making it work. So, so you're starting to take some classes. You're starting to teach some classes. Um, can you tell me like maybe in the first, I don't know, like, like five years of your, your trans, you know, once you're kind of transitioned into like full-time making your dollars from dance, mm -hmm. um, what kind of streams of income were you having back Ooh, then? We, yeah. So this is again, this was a very interesting and trying time. I'm not even sure how and where I am today <laughs> as a result because I, I was working part-time at the hotel. So I had some money regardless of what happened. Sure. I originally started just teaching one hour a week okay. for, my, for my mentor at the studio and it quickly became the biggest populated class. Wow. Like at one point, I'd have 80 people in a class that I'm trying to teach in this small room doing whatever else. And so obviously, I had to then get two classes, three classes. Yeah. The kids are wanting me to do it. You know, so I'm doing it with the kids. I'm doing these things. And um, naturally, I'm, I'm quite happy to do it because I'm feeling appreciated for yeah. what I bring to the table. Right. Um, so I'm happy to do that. And, and the hotel is quite happy to allow me to do less hours or do it, work around it. Yeah. My thing. So I'd work at seven in the morning, work till four. And then from there, go off to the evening and go and teach go and, and teach all evening. Yeah. So those are my days. And then I go out and club and party all night. Yeah. And then sleep at the hotel, wake up, repeat. Yeah, mean, yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was what I was doing for, for, for a number of years. And, um, after seven years at a hotel, knowing it isn't going to be your career, Everyone has their time of thinking, okay, enough's enough. When do I start actually yeah. moving forward from this? This is great. Yeah. I'm happy with it, but I can't do this forever. Yeah. Um, so I took the plunge to, like I said, start trying to get enough classes that I could do that full time and mm. not have to worry about. And what happens is because I've been so used to that buffer of the hotel money, when I stopped and I just taught full time, it was a very, very scary and very vulnerable yeah. position I was in. We've all been there. Um, yeah. All of us artists there have been go. in that yeah. in that yeah. spot. It's hundred yeah. percent. What if everyone leaves tomorrow? Right. One student might not turn up for a week, and I'm freaking out, thinking, "I know what have I yeah. done wrong? Maybe this isn't going to work for me. Maybe totally a day." But for whatever reason, you know, you you wake up again to new day. Um, six months later, this person comes back, 
and they tell you and you realize it's because they've broken their leg or, yeah it has nothing to do with or they've you gone through yeah. yeah whatever it might have been they got, yeah. and you're like oh it's, it's not even about me yeah you know i forget they're adults and they've got their own lives going on maybe they're pursuing their dreams and yeah you know so so i started learning not to take things so personally and be able to just go with what i wanted to do personally yeah it's it's, it's nothing personal this is, right. is we're talking about a job right now right and i'm getting to do a job that totally. i love so if it's two people or 50 people should i not be happy yeah you know because i'm yeah. dancing i get to play my own music do my own moves and people yeah. pay me for it yeah um so i'm like i'm good um and then being able to be real like we're talking right now we're just sitting on chairs hanging out talking as friends yeah it's when you get to that point where you can do that in general with people as a whole yeah it's huge i moved to utah and i was shocked when people would look at me and say how's your day and i didn't know them yeah it's not like that in england oh yeah huh. so that blew me away everyone's yeah. like ned flanders over here from the simpsons yeah, yeah, you yeah. know hi diddly do and i'm like what that is, is going very on? like you yeah. probably find that in utah and also like in the south maybe yeah. like but if you're in new york yeah. that wouldn't happen right it's kind of a if anything, you're, like on, a, you're on the subway like and you want belt. to put your head down because yeah. you don't want to be approached by someone that's going to be like, what are you looking at? Yeah, right, want? yeah. And it's very reflective, I think, of, again, human nature. I think it's a beautiful thing that we should be able to see our own kin, people, and say, hey, how you doing? I think so too. The problem is, is yeah, we worry because we don't want to get into a full-blown conversation. I don't know you, but I at least want to know that you're okay. Yeah, sure. I want to say hi and, and, that's, and leave it at that and be okay with it. But And people don't know how to mediate those kind of conversations yeah. and worry about where it's going to lead right. or what if they want to talk to me for an hour and I'm busy yeah 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 or what if you know <laughs> or what if they really aren't okay now I've got to deal with that I know it's you know? yeah okay so okay so you're teaching you're teaching full-time um was there a point where you were doing like other things like hi being hired as a dancer or being hired to do like freelance choreography or like so funnily enough once I start doing that, obviously I'm going back to my Michael Jackson buzz that I got at the beginning. I'm still wanting to be on the stage. I'm wanting people to yeah, see me in my element like I was in the clubs and stuff and be like, yeah, this is great. Right. So um, at the time I was singing as well. I started singing. Okay. And so I'm singing and dancing and I'm thinking I'm going to be like a Michael Jackson or an Usher or whatever else. Yeah. Usher's the same age as me. So I'm thinking, yeah. I'm seeing him doing yeah. it and I'm like, this is ridiculous. I should be doing I that. I could do you know that. I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm trying to do all these things and I, I can't sing even close to as well as Usher, but... Um, I start going to auditions. You know, I'm starting yeah. to you know, let's go to auditions. And auditions awesome. And, and, and you're already teaching, like you're teaching full time. Yeah, all I'm doing is teaching. Okay. But, but then I'm you, you want to work on your, your yeah, career. Yeah, yeah. I want to get your artistry. all that out my system before I just give it to everyone else. Sure. You need both. I mean, I, I teach a lot as well. And I feel like I have to keep performing and composing and mm -hmm. working on my artistry or my teaching. Like it loses something, mm -hmm. I think. And okay, I think like, yeah. a, like a parent or a mentor, if you are going to teach or hand something down, the ones that do it best, the ones that have had the experience themselves. Yeah, you've got to have something to yeah, yeah, give. 100%. So you start doing auditions. So I start doing auditions and I'm quickly noticing I'm marketing myself all wrong because I'm signing up for the latest boy band, you know, or whatever mm -hmm. else. And you imagine NSYNC and me, it just mm -hmm. doesn't go. <laughs> Justin Timberlake's like 5'7 and yeah. 150 pounds. I'm 6'4 and 240 pounds. Mm. I look like his minder. It, yeah. it, it's not going to work. So then all of a sudden I have to have this realization that I'm never going to be on stage next to Justin Timberlake. Mm. I'm trying to be realistic with myself. Yeah, It's not that it couldn't happen. Maybe some big guy does get to be on, but the chances are that might be a novelty act. They're not going to be there on a regular basis okay. as yeah, their main go-to dancer. Yeah. Um, the chances of that happening are slim. So I'm thinking, okay, but what do I do where I'd yeah. be appreciated for being me? I go to other auditions and they're like, yeah, you know, 
you'd be great in this, but you stick out. You're just too big. Mm -hmm. I don't know where to put you. Your dancing's yeah. amazing. But then what starts wow. happening is, is they say, well, but you do fit in this role. And so I might get a different gig that wasn't what I originally auditioned for. Yeah. Like what kind, what kinds of stuff were you, um, were you So getting? it might be something where they're like, um, again, because I was a teacher, initially my in was that they would say, we want you to choreograph this. Yeah. I don't get to be in the video, but I am the choreographer of this yeah. piece. I am the person that led this piece. And that I was comfortable with that for a while. Yeah. Because I was getting to see the ropes and get involved with whatever else. Any any like uh highlights of that of that portion of your career? Um, yeah, <clears throat> I mean I still do that now to an extent. And one of the highlights as far as me actually dancing myself was I got to be part of a Michael Jackson tribute act. Um, cool. going back to again, right back to my roots. Yeah. And we would tour around and I would learn the choreography from the video of and then teach yeah. it to this. Um, the dancers that were dancing behind the Michael lookalike and we'd go and perform those, which was great. Yeah. Um, I was able to perform with Coolio. Cool. I'm showing my age now, way back when I was able to dance with Coolio. Um, even coming over to here to Utah, I've been working with artists here still. I've done stuff with Lindsay Sterling. Cool. Um, Alex Boyer. Cool. Um, and, and we were an opening act for Train when Train were around still. Cool. Um, all these different things that we've been able to do. And, uh, and yet, if you look at all those people compared to me, I tower over all of them. Yeah. It's, it's, the, it's the weirdest thing. Yeah. Hence my nickname, Big Chocolate. Everyone, there's a lot mm. of people in Utah that know me as Big Chocolate and do not even know my real name. <laughs> I'm, and I'm fine with that. It's yeah. like, it's good. I, you know, there's a time yeah. for me to be Big Chocolate. That's my job. Right. There's a time for me to be Mark. And, sure. You know, have my own time. Yeah. So, okay. So, so you're, you're, you're working as a teacher, you're working as a choreographer, kind of like, like freelance. Um, and you're, you're getting gigs sometimes where you're dancing too. Mm -hmm. Um, anything else, any, any other ways that you're kind of like transforming your dance ability into income? Yes. Because what happens there is, is, um, like this conversation, the more you talk, you're like, Oh, I didn't know that about you. I didn't know you had this as well. I didn't know yeah. you did that too. So as I'm using choreography as my in, one, they're like, oh, but he's dancing it better than the dancers, so let's get him in somehow. Yeah. Or they're like, oh, I didn't realize you sing too. Why don't you do this? And I, I was able, I was lucky to be able to sing at the um, at the Palladium, which is okay. like a, a West End theater. Yeah. And I remember my first time doing that, and I sang a Craig David song. And I'm singing um, this song, and I'm, I'm dancing on the stage and stuff. And I thought at that point I had made it. Because mm -hmm. I'm in the West End. This is the same stage that Fred Astaire has been on, Spice Girls, these amazing people. And I'm on that stage singing and dancing. People are watching me. I get out the back door and there's people waiting to mob wow. me for autographs. Yeah. I'm like, I've made it. I'm a... yeah. But guess what? Next day, back on the train, sludging yeah. off to work, yeah. same as normal. And it was a real humbling but good experience to understand that life is, goes on. Mm -hmm. um, one day was I was at a high. Next day, I'm back to doing the same old drudgery. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I've I constantly mean, it's very had very relatable. This, yeah, yeah, I've constantly <laughs> had those um, humble experiences. Even coming here to the states, I'd just come off the back end of my second world championship in in, in hip hop. Wow. Uh, I, Wait, I want to know about that. Like, so t so talk to me about like the 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 competition circuit. So um, this is a, that's a loaded question because what happens is is in the competition circuit, there's lots of different types of competitions. Okay. I guess, and there's different types of. Um, jazz ones, hip hop ones, ballroom ones, you know, things all mm. over the world that, are, you know, have their various titles that they yeah. claim. World of Dance, even on TV, yeah. is saying it's a world of dance competition. The best dancers in the world get to do this. But as an example, there was two artists on there that I, um, I know very well called Hilti and Bosch. They're, they're world-class lockers. And now in the hip hop community, they're known the world over cool. as being two of the best lockers to ever have done it. Cool. But they go on and this lock, TV. lock is like... So locking the, is a funk style of dance that was okay. created by a guy called Don Campbell. 
Um, and it was originally kind of showcased on a show called Soul Train. Okay. And it's now a multi-million phenomenon. People use it. It was yeah, in yeah, the original yeah. films, Breaking. You know, the, the amazing things in some of those people that were in those original lockers then went on to choreograph for Michael Jackson. Yeah. Went on to dance and do right. you know, these amazing performances. So, so anyway, these two world-class and well-renowned dancers go on to World of Dance and don't make it past the prelims. Mm, wow. And so I I get it. I know? mean, it's the same thing with voice stuff. It's like 100%. it doesn't necessarily mean. Mm-hmm. I'm so curious about it. I'm I'm mostly I'm curious about your experience. But yeah, totally those those big things. Like I mean, it's the same for anything. It's the same for like ice skating. You yeah, know, it's yeah, like 100%. there's ability, and then there's like these certain things they're looking for, mm-hmm, and like you know mm-hmm. who cares. I don't know if we need to care about it, but yeah. but you were involved and you you won two times. Or- so I won, yeah, I won this this particular competition. I won the world championships two years in a row. Wow! And I won the European championships two years in a row. Wow! Um, and and the UKs as well. And so obviously it's very confidence boosting. Sure. Especially in a, in an environment where, like I'm sure you might have heard. I mean, I've, this wasn't on purpose, but I think a lot of my peers and even some of my family and some people were like when's the real job going to kick in, mm. you know, where you're mm-hmm. able to you know, yes. do whatever else. I know about that too. Career, yeah. Career's yeah. advisors are like, you know, when he, so it took me becoming a world champion for people to think, Oh, maybe there's something in this. I think that's why people do it. You know, I think some young people think they're going to, they're going to do a, a competition and that's going to, that's going to make their career. But mm-hmm. I think it's more like, I don't know. You do it to kind of like stake a claim on like, this is something that I, this is, this is serious. This isn't mm-hmm. a hobby. It, you know, kind of can, it's a, it's maybe like a branding. Yeah. And you have to prove it to yourself to an extent as well. Yeah. Cause if you have got things against you, you have to be able to wake up every morning and be confident with the decision that you decided to totally. with and stay with. So I'm sh- so that left you feeling like, Oh man. So big, to big this difference. day, as far as a dancer goes, the highlight of my dancing prowess or, or movement for especially as i'm on the decline now as an older dancer i i i went to this world championships and there was 52 countries from all over the world all these people that didn't know me or i didn't know and i'm nervous about what's going to happen it's my first time doing this world championships and i go out there and in my in the final um you have these judges that are standing there and they put up this number that's you know like like swimming almost with your first second mm-hmm. perfect mm-hmm. and every single judge but one put me as first wow and I remember clearly what happened at the time and what I was wearing. I was wearing a red and black plaid shirt and I had these black, you know, jeans and um, bright white um, uh, trainers. And I fell to the floor in tears, just laughing out loud. All my friends come on this floor and and mob me and are jumping on me and something else. And I'm talking, you know, five, 6,000 people from all over the world that are there in the stadium watching. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know that I could feel a better feeling than being yeah. appreciated by the uh, by other people that appreciate dance. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So that's it's a, one thing to be on TV and have random person in the home say, yeah, I vote for this person. But most of them aren't dancers. Right. For me to have had other dancers be like, no, you're my guy. I really appreciate what you're wow. doing. That was definitely a highlight for me. And what happened was, is I'm sitting there just, you know, bawling my eyes out, ugly face. I'm shaking all the judges' yeah. hands and everyone. And I'm just loving the world right now. So I'm waiting there with my friends and bearing in mind my parents weren't there, my family weren't there, mm. my closest friends weren't there. It was just my, da- my dance friends were there. And this was in, the first year was in Kalish in Poland. And when was this? Um, 2009. Okay. Um, in Poland. So I, I walk out of the building, the, of the event, and the other, the other countries had waited outside for me to give me a standing ovation and a clap. Wow. And yeah, and I just died. Yeah, I, that's I amazing. Just about died. Yeah, just about died. And I, I remember it like it was yesterday. 
Yeah. And the funny thing is, is to this day, when I moved it to the States, I don't have my gold medals here with me. Mm. I don't have my trophy with me. You know, which is a huge thing I'm trying to um, let my kids be aware of. I'm like, you know, most of them are honest that their trophies are collecting dust. Yeah. So I'm like, what is it really for them? What's it really yeah. about? What's it really about and why do you keep going back to it knowing that you're not going to pay much attention to that trophy that you mm-hmm. want? Mm. Um, there's a deeper meaning to it. There's, a, there's more of a reason oh, as to why definitely. you pursue what you're pursuing. Yeah. Um, and that's where I try and integrate the, the spirit or your sense of self and that it resonates with why you feel like I'm becoming a better person because of this. Yeah. Regardless of what it is. Definitely. I think uh, you're right. Yeah. Okay, so you so you did one and then you did another and then you moved to Utah soon after that? Yeah, so um, this is the funny thing about, again, following your dreams, doing the things that you want. I spoke earlier about starting to go to clubs and doing these things and uh, it's not that I'm against that at all, but for me personally, I'd grown up as a member of, of the church um, and there was a lot of conflict in sure. me being in having my foot in two camps yeah and not, i can no, i yeah. can relate to that my my uh degrees are in jazz studies mm-hmm. um which uh, you know it's a club scene too I, mm-hmm. um i i maybe have a different uh a different path than mm-hmm. you but um but i but i definitely can relate to that feeling of like mm-hmm. You know, it's like you're a little torn and like that kind of one foot in, two doors. I, I totally know what that feels like. Well, and also I think the journey that everyone takes, again, even taking, well, this is still gospel because gospel means truth. Everyone has to find their own truth and their journey is their own. Your, yeah. Like I said, your journey isn't mine, mine isn't anyone else's. It's all individual. There's no one way. Everyone yeah. takes a different way to get to where it is we need to get to. Uh, whatever that might be for the individual. So was that kind of for you choosing to move did you move straight from England to Utah or were you somewhere else in the States first? So funnily enough, um, I came straight to Utah, but I actually moved to North Idaho. I lived, wow. Yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a whole other story. But I, I, I bet the dance scene there is tight. Um, so, <laughs> so, so without going into too much detail, the, the, the reality of what happened was is talking about, again, my truth and my journey. Yeah. Although I just won a world championship, I was not happy in my mm. life. Mm. That was a very defining happy moment. Yeah. But my life was not a happy life. I was, I had no direction as far as, and I wasn't able to confidently say who I was as a person. Yeah. And so where I was so unhappy with not knowing who I'm pleasing, you know, let alone myself and what mm-hmm. I'm doing, mm-hmm. um, I ended up very depressed and in a very dark place. Mm. So coming to Utah was actually part of me trying to start a clean slate and rebuild Wow. That, yeah, that's great. That's what that was. And that about. was just, so that was nine, nine years ago. Wait, eight years ago. So that was 2000, 2010. Okay. It was November of 2010. Okay. And so I just, upped. that's nine years ago now. Yeah. I guess well, it's, you're right. Yeah, it's eight. Yeah. yeah. In terms of the numbers. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, but it was, it was just, um, just on a whim. I've had enough of this. Something's wow. got to change. That's great. If I, mean, I don't, I'm going to end up down and out and, and no good to anybody. Well, one thing I, one thing I like to talk about too, you know, kind of in this broader conversation of like, what does it mean to be a professional artist? Um, and I think one thing that I see as a theme popping up again and again is kind of, you know, having the, the creativity to like, a, a, I guess to apply creativity to your life at large, mm-hmm. you know, you have that creative spark that's in the art that you're doing, but I love, I love hearing stories of people saying like, this project, my life, mm-hmm. it's not working here mm-hmm. and I need to start a new project. Um, 
so I think that's, that's definitely in line with kind of that like artist mentality and just saying like, it's your canvas. I gotta, it's I gotta canvas. have a new slate. Hundred percent. Great. It's your canvas. If you, if you, you know, people often will do arts and I'm using that as an example. You'll draw, and often they'll do it in pencil first because if they make a mistake, they can rub it out yeah. and go over it again. But once you start actually painting and doing, and doing sometimes you're like, I've completely ruined this. I'm yeah. gonna have to put it to the side, and get a new canvas, and start again. Yeah. And it's gonna take me a longer time. But I know the finished product of what I want. Right. Therefore, I don't mind taking that time out to do that. Yes. Because I know how I want that picture to look. Yes. And and I that had to sense. really um, be honest with myself about, I don't want to be this. I want to be this. Yeah. If I want to do that, I need to really think about how badly do I want it? What sacrifices do I need to make? What do yeah. I need to... So long story short, when I came here, I had one bag and $80 to my name. Wow. That was it. Because I just upped and, yeah. and left. Yeah. And I was in a, a friend's uh, basement in, in North Idaho. And like I said, I was there. And, and for a number of reasons, I couldn't stay there because there was no dance yet. Yeah, yeah. And, and I didn't have any contacts really of any sort. Sure. And there was also uh, a different type of racism that I wasn't aware of. Mm. That all of a sudden I'm... I'm, I'm well, isn't North Idaho like... There really was a there bad. was a KKK headquarters that That's just what shut I thought. down recently yeah. up there. But yeah, I mean, my, and like all of the there's a lot of like white nationalist stuff that goes on. Yeah, up it there, was I think. it was interesting. I mean, don't get me wrong. I had a beautiful time yeah. there, and the family I stayed with are some of my closest friends, and they I treat them like family. I love them to pieces. That's great. Um, but uh, but it, but it wasn't the permanent. No, it, it wasn't was, the it place. Wasn't my yeah. place. Yeah. So funny enough, when I tell this story to the kids that I teach and stuff, I talk about you know, being planted in the right soil as a plant, mm -hmm. you know, as a seed or whatever else, if you don't nurture it and give it the right pot and the right amount of soil and water and nourishment, it's still not going to grow. Yeah. Even though it might be a very good seed. And so um, I feel that this was the right pot for me to be planted in. Um, yeah. in, the, in the eight, you know, nine years that I've been here, I've seen far more progress. Mm. Um, and it, I know it's not just of my own hard work. Yes, I've worked mm. hard, but it's not just from me. You mean progress in your career? In my career, yeah, in my in your life, life, in myself. I just mean, but you're talking about you. Oh, 100%. Um, okay, so I would love to maybe just, can we fast forward to now? Mm -hmm. Maybe we can connect some dots, but it, it, it helped me. Yeah. So like right now, what are all the projects that you're working on? Like what, what pies are your hands in? Yeah. <laughs> I have a few pies. Um, so one, obviously, I mentioned earlier, I'm, I teach at BYU. Okay. And it's the first. Me too. There I you just go. put Good in my notice though, so I'm oh. I'm leaving. But yeah, I never got to see you there. That's <laughs> no. a shame. Um, so so the interesting thing about that is um, teaching at BYU has been an amazing experience for me, and I've enjoyed it so much. Um, because one thing I'll say about Utah or the culture here as a whole is often it gets a bad rap for whatever reason. Mm. And it's not just, I think, about religion. I think it's about the culture of the place. I agree with you. And, yeah. and, and I think what happens is, is in my experience at least, as a, as a black guy with, sitting in front of you with a do-rag, tattoos, whatever other stuff, I feel I've been accepted just like anybody else. Yeah. That's me personally. <laughs> yeah. I can't speak for everyone. Some people have different experiences. But for yeah. me, I've been very lucky in having that mm. kind of experience here. And, and part of that is because of my choice and how I choose to be perceived and how I come across. It's about energies, I think. Yeah, for a I think that's true. You're open and you're kind and yeah. confident and yeah. people people kind of yeah. Now, can feel that. People often also get... Um, uh, I see people's faces when they're like, wait a minute, you don't sound like a black guy. Mm. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> what's black supposed to sound like? Oh, yeah. Because in England, this that's is black. That's such an American problem. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, it's, and it's fine because then what happens is 
again, it's education. Yeah, it's then learning. they're curious. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, me being able to teach hip hop of all things in BYU mm. is progress is forward it's, it's education yeah it's understanding it's being able to be open enough to say hey well let's see where this goes mm-hmm. it could have turned out horribly and not worked yeah. out for either of us but it hasn't it's been the beautiful mm. thing that's worked out for everybody and so i love being part of that process that's awesome yeah. I've, I've talked a little bit with keely um and she i feel like there's something special going on in the dance department at oh, BYU. Yes, I hear 100%. I hear things there that I'm like, man, we're just on the other side of campus. But I don't have that experience personally, which mm-hmm. is why I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, but I but I I am excited about the things I hear about how the culture is changing in the dance department. Mm-hmm. I think that's amazing. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So you're teaching at BYU. So I'm teaching at BYU, and um, and along the, go on. sorry, go ahead. Yeah, alongside from that, um, the, one of the ladies at the time that was working there in the Department of Dance, her name was Marilyn um, Bennett. She was a lovely lady who, again, someone that saw something in me and wanted to use that. Yeah. And um, she actually had me give a talk at um, Young Women's BYU conference. Cool. And that's a whole different ballgame when it's, I'm not actually moving my body. I'm just speaking yeah, yeah, like yeah. this and talking. Yeah. There's nothing worse than a nation of women just staring at you and you've got to try and <laughs> speak your truth or, you know. Yeah, but it was a great experience for me. And to be able to share those things again on a BYU platform was was a huge blessing to me. But um, in doing that, I now actually go and I, I give talks like this podcast to, I go to behavioral difficulty, mm. um, juvenile detention centers. Cool. Um, and talk to youth about choices and the choices that I've made where they've led me in the right direction or the wrong direction. And that it's never too late to do that again because I come here at what, 31, 32, and I'm still able to create yeah. a good positive life for myself. Yeah, building. Based on choices. So that, so this speaking part of your career, that's not pro bono. You're getting hired to do that stuff? So or maybe um, a both. little bit of both? So both, okay. yeah. Okay. Um, I do charity events, for example. There's battles that I host here in Utah sure. where kids come and that's we actually awesome. raise money for um, kids that have no food mm. um, with the, Utah, with the um, Utah Food Bank. And uh, it's a privilege for me to say that's part of my giving back for yeah. some of the blessings that I have. Yes. Um, I'm very hot on that. So I, yeah. so I, I do do that where I can. Um, I'm just asking because I, you know, I, I, I want again to kind of get into like, how do you make it work as an artist, especially if you're not, you know, on Broadway or, you know, so, so, so you're teaching, you're, you're, spe- you're, you're doing speaking gigs, um, and you, you own a studio. So, yeah. So funnily enough, before owning the studio, um, and this is what I mean about, again, how it relates so closely to where you're at in your life at the yeah. time. Mm-hmm. For a long time of living here in Utah, I was teaching 24 seven. Mm. I would do workshops. I'd be hired to go to Arizona and judge at a competition or I'd be teaching out in Idaho. So it's kind be, of, it's freelance teaching. Yeah. I'm going around cool. doing all different things and people get to know my name and like, yeah, we love Mark doing this. And yeah. can you choreograph that? Can you be in this? Can you do this music video? Can you be part of this? And, you know, I'll do very well to get myself around in that way. Mm. But funnily enough, due to my own maturity or where I'm at in life, people would often say, Mark, you should run your own studio. Yeah. You should do this. And I'm like, nah, nah, nah. I'd never do that. Mm-hmm. I'd never do that. I'm not, that's, that's not me. <laughs> I like the freedom of yeah, yeah, yeah. coming and going as I please, sure. doing what I want when I want, asking for my paycheck on, on my terms and all these various right. things that I might yeah. be going through a certain time in life. Bearing in mind at that point, I'm single. So mm-hmm. it is really about me. When I met my wife, um we've been together five years now married almost four um you know we have a two-year-old um she's pregnant we've got another one on the way that's great and yeah and we're going for this and what happens is is obviously your priorities in your life 
changes literally. Mm, mm-hmm. And I remember before I asked her to marry me, just again, serious conversations about moving forward in a relationship. Her, her dad asked me this as well as she asked me this, Mark, can you provide for a family? Yeah. And that's a heavy one. Yeah. Yeah. And I had to be very honest and say, no, I can't, but I will. Yeah. And I meant that when I said it. Mm-hmm. And that's a driving force for me when I wake up in the morning. I know that's something that I promised I would do and mm-hmm. I want to do. Yeah. And so not only do I want to make sure that I'm dancing for a living, that I love it, but I want to make it work for me and yeah. my family. Yeah. And part of um, that for you has been starting a studio. Yeah. I love, I mean, it's, it's different with dance. It's a much a higher, higher volume, but I, I own my own voice studio and mm-hmm. I love it. I feel like it lets me be creative in a way that, I I can't always be creative if I'm just working for someone else's school. Mm-hmm. So okay, so now you've got your your you're you're doing your studio. Um, you've all kinds of classes and other teachers that you hire, mm-hmm. and then you're still doing freelance choreography and stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, teaching at BYU. So is that is that those are the things like teaching at BYU? You've, you're owning your studio, and that's got all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. within it, mm-hmm. doing freelance choreography, mm-hmm. doing freelance dance still. Mm-hmm. Um, and also speaking, mm-hmm. anything else that belongs in this list of your yes. s- streams of income? Um, yeah. I mean, well, um, it's on hold at the moment, just especially being a new father and having a, another one on the way and yeah. stuff. But um, we started up a company called Urban Freytales where I actually set up, we produce a professional show. Cool. So we brought oh, sorry, what's it called? Urban Fairy Tales. Urban Fairy Tales. Cool. And the idea is, is that we would take a, a, a old fairy tale. The first one was actually called Who Are You, which was based on Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. And we wrote a script from scratch. We had, wow. you know, the music mix for it and did this whole number. And I narrated the whole thing. Wow. And I was actually in it as well as a dancer. But we hired professionals in Utah that are yeah. dancers that want work. That's and awesome. put on our own show. Yeah. To, and, you know, and it will come back. It's something we'll do in future. That's creative in like such a big picture way. I feel like that's got to be a very satisfying project. Oh man, because this it was so many different layers to what right. I get out of it. As that's well as what other I people. mean. It's like, yeah. it's this like meta project. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can do like all of your perform, things. And I still get to be a lead character. I was in it. I was in a main character. And I got to perform and still have some of that left in the years that I have left as a great as dancer. As a dancer, Yeah. But I got to help mentor these younger youth that are coming up that may or may not overtake that and become, mm-hmm. you know, my successor. Or it's you know, your kind else. of it's your it's your legacy. Yeah, kind of like your very much so. I don't know, like for lack of a better word, like kind of an empire. But mm-hmm. I guess legacy mm-hmm. is maybe it's a better word. But yeah, but you're yeah. building this thing that's larger than yourself, which mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. that's awesome. And I've also gone on to see some of my close friends that did it along with me. I've now set up their own companies, are doing their own thing and having things grow. And so the dance world in general, like you said, the BYU dance department's changing. The mm. dance in general in Utah is changing. Yeah. Some of the mentalities and the way we do things and stuff is starting to evolve and change, I think, for the better. I Yes, um, I agree. So if we can be involved in that, we all win. We all I win. think so too. You know? I think even just... I feel like if if dance is doing these, you know, big culture shifting things here, that bleeds into music and mm-hmm. bleeds into visual art mm-hmm. and bleeds into film. I mean, I guess that's part of visual art. But again, that's why like I want to have these conversations with all kinds of artists because I feel like, you know, it we we have all these little feelers going out and kind of building each other up and, you know, creating something that's just you know, bigger and You know what's interesting is bearing in mind I didn't know you and you were referred to me by Keely and then here we are talking of the conversation. Um, there's Yeah, there's a bigger part to it and the arts can play a big part of it in the sense of helping unify people. Mm-hmm. 
and the art of what it is to share the same space in movement and body language. We're told scientifically that the fact is that body language is the majority of our communication. Yeah. Um, and this can be a great space to learn how to communicate better. And I'm exploring these different ways of teaching now and getting people to come together because I've only been here, like I said, eight and a half, nine years. And yet a lot of people know who I am. I'm constantly able to get work in dance, doing yeah. my form of art, my way of yeah. doing whatever else. And people are appreciating that. And I'm like, how did I do that in such a short time? And yet there's people that have been in the States working on their craft, mm -hmm. whatever it might be for years and years and can't get a look in. Yeah. And so as part of what you're saying that this conversation is about, my, 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 my question to them is, is, is what are they willing to do for that? Mm -hmm. um, I'm not willing to sell my soul or to not be authentic or to do things that I think yeah. are contradictory to who I am as a person. But I'm willing to say, I've got to get out of bed and get at least 10 numbers today of yeah. people that I didn't have before. Yeah. Or I have to have a plan of action of when I go into this room, I'm going to make sure that everyone remembers who I am. Yeah. Not, not in a big headed way or a desperate way. No, that's awesome. But that I want to know that if they ask for my help, I'd happily give it and the same vice versa. Totally. I know that I have someone that can randomly do plumbing that I'm like, okay, I can't do plumbing. Come and do that in my sink. Vice versa, mm -hmm. they're like, I have a kid that needs to dance real bad. I'm like, hey, bring them to my studio. Yeah, Here we go. That's and great. all of a sudden. It's very like whole, whole, holistic or yeah. like kind of that big picture way of thinking. 100%. Sorry, what were you saying all of a sudden? No, it's just because especially with the arts, like you said, they do all intertwine. Yeah. And I know again from experience that through my choreography, I ended up doing my dancing that I loved. I ended yeah. up actually singing and acting. I was Fagin in Oliver. I was Scarecrow in the, in you know, in Wizard of Oz. In, in, yeah. You know, in, sorry, in The Wiz. And I'm like, that all came though from me dancing first and making that my passion and making something around it that could yeah. be tangible. Yeah. And then from there, I was able to filter off from that. Totally. Okay, I've got a few more questions. So, yeah. so um, you know, I, I, I have a couple of different goals with this podcast. You know, one is, like I said before, to talk about how we just, how we just make a living doing art. Um, but another thing that I, that I like to, to talk about is, you know, I, I think... I think a lot of us, maybe not all of us as, as professional artists, there's sometimes, I don't want to say a gap, but there's maybe a, there's maybe a, a type of a balance between, you know, the, the part of ourself that performs, the part of ourself that teaches, mm -hmm. the part of ourself that is a spouse, mm -hmm. um, the part of ourself that is still a child. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I, and I kind of, I like to think about these ideas that we have, you know, as performers, I think, especially varying, varying levels of, you know, authenticity. And, and it's not to say that I think that, you know, we ever should be inauthentic, but maybe sort of filtering or channeling different parts of yourself. And I, I think my question is, I want to know maybe like which parts of your career feel vulnerable to you? Which parts of your career do you feel like you maybe are still kind of um, trying to, you know, let this or that part of Mark out or are you whole, are you whole all the time? I, I'd love That's for you to very, talk very about, question, about um, that. Because it's something that I'll be very honest with. I'd say every single aspect, I always have vulnerability. Yeah. Every aspect. And this is my opinion. Uh, this isn't fact, but in my opinion, I think that's part of what makes me better. I think so too. I'm very aware that I want to be better. I'm very mm. aware that, hey, wifey, I'm sorry. I've been doing so, focused on this area so much now mm. that I'm sucking as a husband. I'm really sorry. Yeah. I need to better in that area. So I don't want to take that for granted. What is that vulnerability like? What is it for you? Like if, you, I mean, you don't have to 
say whatever no, can, you want, no, but, yeah, no, I can go but into like, it. what, what are the things that, you know, I guess I just feel like having a career as a professional artist, you got to have like some, some confidence and like some, some real drive and like mm-hmm. some chutzpah or whatever. Um, but I think you also need this like tenderness and sensitivity and like, mm-hmm. you gotta be raw. And I'm, I'm really fascinated by the way that we take those two things, that kind of scrappy drive. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, that boldness and kind of pair it with like the, our fears, you know, I think artists, we do both, right? Like mm-hmm. we wear our confidence all out and in public, we put up pictures, we perform, we get on stage, we market ourselves, whatever, whatever. But we must, I think, to some extent, wear like the hardest things mm-hmm. also out loud. Mm-hmm. So I want to know like, what is that for you? Like as specific as you want to be, mm-hmm. what does it look like? Where is the tension in those things? Mm-hmm. Where is the the love in those things? Like just what is it for you? Um, so again, with that, it's, it's very difficult because what you're trying to do is as an artist, as we're talking about that in particular, um, I'm still always going back to how that reflects on you as a person. Um, I think it's very key to start really looking into knowing yourself as a person to know how to use your best assets to let out in your art. And at the same time, be very aware of your weaknesses. So that way you can either face them head on when the time comes or actually let them be part of your healing process and your way mm. of moving forward. So yeah. for me, one of my big things, like I said, coming here to the States is, is trying to come to terms with my past, things that I'm not happy about, things that I'm like, I wish I could have done that differently. Mm. And learning that, and that this is the honest truth, as much as there's things that I'm like, I wish I hadn't done that, I'm not regretful. Yeah, I can't have these conversations and be honest without knowing and acknowledging that there's past that I'm not happy about in myself. Mm-hmm. But I'm also very happy that I'm not there anymore. I'm not in that place. I'm not that person anymore. Yeah, and that's my choice and my decision. Yeah, um, and so if I can do it with these things, maybe I can do it with this issue that I'm going through now in my artistry or with my yeah. job or with my mm. family, with my wife and whatever else. And so funny you talk about the whole acting thing and putting whatever out in the front as a performer. Again, people don't realize that everyone does that in life every day, especially in this day and age with your Instagram or whatever else. Yeah. Everyone's putting on their Sunday best. And I asked them, I'm like, how come every picture that I see has this gleaming, beautiful smile? You know the right filters, you know what angle mm. is the right thing for your lighting and like mm-hmm. you look at and stuff. And yet, so you do it for that but why aren't you doing it in this situation? Yeah. Why aren't you doing that? You've learned how to act and put on your best self. Yeah. Everyone has this act they're able to do. Yeah. I want to know who the real person is. And I explore that through my artistry and my dancing. Yeah. That way I get to let out some of myself authentically. Yeah. And then they do too. And we can actually connect on that and say, oh, we have that in common. I'm not alone. Yeah. I really like that idea. Like we all, we learn how to kind of put on these different filters, you know, Mm -hmm. or whatever. And sometimes it's a real happy filter and sometimes it's a a depth and sometimes, Mm -hmm. but they're all, I think they all have elements of real. Yeah. They all have elements of maybe they're kind of like filtering, like they're closing off certain parts, but finding kind of an outlet for each one and finding the places where you connect with a certain person. A great, um, I'm not recommending you guys watch this, but it's a movie by Jim Carrey. It's called uh, Me, Myself and Irene. I haven't seen it. Yeah. And in the movie, I mean, Jim Carrey's obviously a comedian, very, very funny guy. But in in this show, it talks about him being this great guy. He's got everything together. He's, he's a policeman. He's got his wife, he's got all these things. And basically some, some tragedy happens and um, it sparks something where half of his personality just disappears. And he becomes this placid, you know, real nice guy mm-hmm. at all times. Mm-hmm. Never does anything wrong. Never hurts anybody. Knows anything wrong. And what happens is, 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 
whatever he's got, this other half of it is being suppressed. Yeah. And eventually something happens that sparks it yeah. and it comes out in the worst way. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's basically a comedy about him being com- two completely different personalities. Yeah. And sometimes this other person, Hank, comes out and other, per- other time it's this other guy comes out. But the moral of the story is that he realises that both of them are part of who he is. Yeah. And he learns to put them back together again so yeah. he can be whole and not be completely this or completely that, but find his balance, find mm. his way of moving forward in the best way possible. And I find that same thing with my dancing. Like you said, if I'm yeah. teaching too much and not exploring just being and dancing, I have to be the one that recognises that and is able to put myself mm. in check and say, okay, guys, time out. I'm going to just chill. As you can see, I'm injured right now. I have yeah. to be honest with myself in how I need to recover. Yeah. And it makes me feel vulnerable. Wait a minute, I'm already old. I'm seeing these young cats mm. that are doing all these new things that I don't do. Yeah. Have I passed my sell-by date? Can I still do this anymore? Yeah. Um, I have kids, my own kids to concern myself with. Can I really give the amount that I want to in the kids that I have at this studio? Mm-hmm. Um, I... I have these other jobs that I'm doing at BYU. Can I go that early in the morning to BYU and, yeah. and be the best me mm-hmm. for them as well as run my studio full-time when I get back? These are all genuine questions I ask myself daily. Yeah. And the answer is, is do I want to? Yeah. Do I want to? Because I think as an artist, you won't find yourself getting very far if you genuinely don't want to. Yeah. There's parts of my job, again, that are necessary, I say evils, but necessary evils. Yeah. I have to do math. I the have baggage. To, yeah, I have to yeah. pay my my some of these some of these um, teachers that I have is their living. Yeah, I have that on my shoulders. I have to make sure I have the money to pay them. I have to go through all the accounts and send emails to parents and deal with parents that are unhappy. All mm-hmm. these different things, and that's nothing to do with what I love, which is my dance and my art. Yes, nothing to do with it. I feel that way about like social media. Yeah, like that's the thing that I'm like, oh, I know I have to do it. Yeah, um, but I I do think in order to kind of make it as an artist. That's, I think that's a big part of it. Mm -hmm. Just being like, yeah, okay, well, the sacrifice that I'm going to make in order to have this thing that I love and do this thing that I love is going to be, you know, X, Y, Z. It's different for all of us, but there's going to be something. So this is why it's amazing that I really appreciate, like you said, why you're having this kind of conversation. Again, you can apply that to any part of life. Yes. If you have a partner and you're married. If you don't have a partner and you're not married, if you're dealing with paying bills for a home, if you're dealing with whatever job situation you're in in general, it's the idea of there's going to be something in it that you'd Mm -hmm. rather not do. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that with the way social media portrays some things, we start having this psyche of this Disney princess mentality that you're supposed to wait for this Prince Charming to sweep you off your feet and have happy ever after. And the movie doesn't continue to talk about their honeymoon period being over. Yeah. What happens when, mm-hmm. you know, the horse dies or whatever, and you, or what happens, yeah. all these different yeah. things that is the reality of what happens after that initial moment of, yeah. yes, I made it um, on stage for a moment. Right. The reality of what happens in real life, a lot of people don't realise it, but subliminally, social media especially is making you not realize that we're not talking about the reality of what happens. We're not talking about the hustle. Yeah. We're not talking about the fear. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll admit it. My social media really, for the most part, is just me and my, you know, she's my daughter and my wife. So I've got this two-year-old daughter and I'm praising her to the world, showing her on the road, but they're not seeing, you know, when she's obviously getting on my nerves, I'm like, hey, India, yeah. sit down, stop <laughs> it. You know what? They're not seeing that yeah. on, on social media. Right. That's the reality of it. It's hard work being a parent. Yeah. It's tiring. I love her to yeah. pieces. I'll do anything for her, but it's hard work. Mm. And I don't mind doing the hard work though. It's yeah. my daughter. Right. So can you have that same um, experience and want that same thing for your art? It is hard work. It's yeah. not easy. There's parts of it, changing a diaper that isn't fun, but it's a necessary part of it. And I'm quite happy to do it. It's my yeah. daughter. So the same thing in your job or your art, there's parts of it that are changing the diaper. Are you willing mm-hmm. to do that? 
yeah. knowing the blessing of what it is that you really have. You get yeah. the opportunity to create whatever it is you do every day yeah. as a living. Oh, but if only I was a millionaire. Well, I'm not a millionaire. And I'm, I, I honestly, not that I'm not ambitious, but I can't see myself being that anytime soon. And I'm completely okay with that. Yeah. I'm very happy knowing that I get to have a roof over my head in Utah of all places. I'm pretty safe. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I've got myself a car, a, a wife, a child. Is, what more do you want? And yeah. then you have to ask yourself why. Right. Well, I was thinking about what you said earlier about that first experience you had as a, as a little kid. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking like, I think like we maybe we maybe I'll have something like that and I'm totally projecting onto you. But like no, no, you're you. trying, you know, you, you want that. Like you, you keep looking for that. Mm-hmm. But then of course, like that's, you can't, just have that like yeah, come yeah. on you got to have all the things around yeah. it another thing that i that i like that you said you were talking about you know you're you're making a piece of like a visual art and you realize you kind of ruined it and you need you need a new canvas but mm-hmm. i also think sometimes you go to the new canvas you work on a new thing and then you start to be like oh you know what i think i know what i could do mm-hmm. on that other canvas to kind of, you know, to fix it or to bring it back to mm-hmm, life. And mm-hmm. then, you know, isn't that all of it? Like, you know, and then eventually that, you know, that new canvas that you started starts having a problem. <laughs> you gotta like, yeah, you gotta oh, do man. a new thing yes. and you kind of And I, funny you saying around. that, I mean, again, it can be anybody, but I do think artists in particular very much have that problem. Yeah. Um, oh, of yeah. constantly, that perfectionism in us, you know, can sometimes be our worst enemy it can be a good thing it can be a bad thing and sometimes you're like actually i preferred the first one that i did well, and that's the thing with the creativity mm-hmm. like you it's never finished mm-hmm. it's never right mm-hmm. um there's it's very subjective you know i don't know it's such a fine line between like creating something brand new um creating something that people can relate to which maybe you know if it's too new then maybe you're gonna lose a bit of an audience and you know, I so, don't know. Like, So with that, um, I, I say this a lot to some of the kids again that I train when they're getting so hard on themselves that they didn't choreograph a good piece, you know, mm-hmm. and these are 16, 17 year olds. Yeah. You know, sometimes younger than that. And I'm like, guys, at 21, I started dancing. So you guys are way further ahead than I was yeah. at that point. Not only that, but if I look back at some of my original choreography or pieces that I did and stuff, I cringed at the thought of where yeah. I was at with that. But I don't forget it. Yeah. That's part of why I'm where I am now. Yeah. I needed to go through that process and, and draw that picture or do yeah. it that way and, and do right. it again and do it again. And Find that boundary and then yeah. be like, oh, that maybe is a dead end, but then you get more information or more skills. And, yeah. But for me personally, yeah. as an artist, there's also choreography that I've told my kids I've used and I've, you're 10 years old, 15 yeah. years old, 20 years old. I still love. recycle and bring them back. So wow. I'm like, they that was good and this can benefit them and help them yeah. through this experience yeah and so it's been a happy medium some things i'm like yeah i'm never doing that ever again yeah you know and that's yeah, okay but too. you have to try it yeah that's okay too yeah that's like again a life experience i try this food i'm not eating that ever again mm-hmm. i try this food uh let me try one more time I'm not sure if i like it or not or i try this one i love that i'm gonna keep doing that yeah, yeah i'm sticking with that one that's just reflective of everything and as an yeah. artist I think the great thing about an artist, you can really apply everything you do in life to your art. And if you can do that, you'll find very easy parallels yeah. on how to have life stories that help you. I think that's get true. Get through each thing. And the same kinds of patterns that are in your mm-hmm. one part of your life are going to, you're mm-hmm. going to bump up against them. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Okay. Um, unless you have anything else that you want to say about this, I just have one more question. Mm-hmm. Do, do you have anything else you want to um it might come in. to me as you're talking yeah okay. you, you carry on yeah well this is just a fun question but uh but this last question is just what's your dream collaboration 
So maybe it includes Michael Jackson. <laughs> um, but yeah, a, a live or dead mixed medium. Like what, what is like that? What is that vision of like the, the absolute dream project? Wow. It's fun, but it's actually a very loaded question. That's harder than it sounds. I know. Well, you yeah. just pick the one that's coming to you today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I think for me, um, the dream collaboration would be something that allowed me to um, go back to my prime <laughs> so I could really yeah. invest and sink my teeth into it and do it and have the opportunity actually to be around some of the originators of some of these hip hop mm. styles, whether it be locking, popping, breaking, house, new jack, these different styles of hip hop, have them come together so that not only would I be able to be part of something with them that I'm like, wow, this is iconic that I'm part yeah. of that myself, but also that I feel I would learn some things that could never be repeated in the same way. Yeah, Certain experiences that you have and do, you're like, I, this will never happen ever again the way yeah. it did, but I'd be able to keep it forever and yeah. hopefully share it. Um, I had the privilege of being able to do a, um, a masterclass with a guy called Boogaloo Sam, who is the founder of, or the creator of what's known as Boogaloo Popping. Cool. And he's around my dad's age, actually. And it was great to just know that I was able to authentically be part of someone who created something that has now become part of my life. Yeah. You know, and, and be involved in that. And so if I could have all of those people in the one place and put on a show or a showcase... Um, but alongside that, because I have my own studio and I love the arts in general, I think a, a way to be able to collaborate and have my my friends, my family, you know, and, and put together a show like I did with yeah. Urban Fairy Tales, where it put together all different types of music, yeah. all different types of dance styles. I mean, the dance style, it had point in there, it had ballroom in there, it had contemporary yeah. in there. It had hip -hop. All the best things about what I love in art yeah. was able to come together and just show it for its true self. Wow. And That's great. the funny thing was, is not only did dancers see it and were able to resonate with it, but anybody could right. watch it and relate to it. Yeah. Um, I love, I'd love to be something, part of something like that. I think my, my dream collaboration or dream project is similarly broad, mm -hmm. you know, but I, I'm kind of, I'm trying to, trying to get a piece of it here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's great. Anything else you want to, you want to say about, I mean, the conversation is how do we make money doing art? The conversation is how do we balance, you know, art and creativity with the hustle, you know, vulnerability. One thing I will say about the hustle and about where your mind space is at. Um, I've spent a lot of time and I still do um, having these kind of conversations in general with people. I do promote that people should do that more mm -hmm. to help find out what they think about it. Mm -hmm. Everything I've said on this podcast, people may agree with, may not agree with. And that's okay. Yeah you have to start figuring out. It's great what, that people have exactly, different opinions. Yes, yeah, it's you have, perfect. You, it can't be a so black and white as either a Utes fan or you're a BYU fan. That's mm -hmm. got to stop. I teach at BYU. My wife cheered for the Utes. It's fine. Yeah. It's that whole idea of that conversation itself is yeah. where the growth happens. Yes. So what happens is for me is, is when it comes to dancing, especially, I remember Bernie Mac, um, the late great Bernie Mac said this as an artist in an interview. He said, I was never worried about the money. Mm -hmm. And yet he's a very successful, wealthy man, well, before he passed. And he was so into the idea of, I am going to make you laugh. That yeah. is my art. That is my passion. That's what I want to do. That the money became a product of that. Mm -hmm. He had to be so aware of himself in yeah. knowing that I am going to make you laugh. That is what yeah. I love to do. That mm -hmm. is where I'm But like, like what you said about me dancing at this disco as a kid. I so hungered for that, that everything I have now has been a, a product of it's that. It's kind of motivated by yeah, that. Yeah. Um, Sparking but, that interest in, 
in other people yeah having that yeah. kind of to the point where wonder that's, that's why i believe i've had certain people in my life that have like said help spark or move me along yeah because they've seen that that's where my heart lies right that's what i'm really about i'm not doing it to make a lot of money yeah that's not the reason i'm doing this art and i genuinely believe this conversation if it's about arts you cannot have your main focus be about the money. Yeah. It's of course you have to think about it because we do need to live. Money is a necessary thing we have to yeah. think about on this earth. It's not evil. It's just yeah. something we need to we need to use and have. But my thing is, is that if that's the root of why you're doing what you're doing, you will come up against more often than not a lot of roadblocks. I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, if if that's your if that's your first goal, you know, mm-hmm. if that's kind of like the the first thing you're trying to pass through, mm-hmm. your creativity is going to be so stifled and uh and even just kind of that that self you know yeah, it's and then yeah. and then and then the products that you you know put out are i like to think that they'll be suffering a little mm-hmm. although i'm sure we mm-hmm. could think of exceptions there there are always yeah. exceptions to to a rule uh, but, but the yeah. thing is is like is the best way i can imagine it is if you're thinking money then all you're seeing is green. Right. Which means you're not seeing all the other colors. And you're that are not going to struggle and you're not going to experiment. 100%. And you're, 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 a. one of my friends says, you know, your, your divergent thinking will stop. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you go, yeah, no, that's very good. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I feel like it's a, it's a good way to think of it. And we need it. We need both. Mm-hmm. We need to be able to, you know, we need the technique and we need to like learn and we need to understand our medium but like you got, you got to have that divergent thinking. And so if you're thinking about money, then that's a very interesting point it. you make there as well that I would suggest is, you know, I'm running a dance studio. So I'm following my art in the best way I know how, but I'm also a business owner. Yeah. I run a studio for kids. So I have to have some savvy in that business. So what happens is, is especially in this day and age, you know, at my, when I was younger, there wasn't a Google where you couldn't just ask Siri. The fact that the ability to know people, like, I don't know what to do. It's right at your fingertips now. Yeah. If you really seriously want to know, there's so many examples now of history of what people have done mm-hmm. that have paved the ways so that you don't have to not know mm-hmm. what to do mm-hmm. that can help you. But you have to then be like, this isn't necessarily, again, part of my art. Yeah. I have to spend X amount of hours a day doing research. Yeah. I've spent extra amount of hours a day genuinely trying to think of some sort of way forwards yeah. rather than I'm an amazing dancer. Why am I not making it? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm an yeah. amazing artist. I have all this art in my room. Why am I not making it? Right. Like you said, that you know, you're not so so happy about sometimes using the Instagram, but you're realizing how that can really help and benefit you. Yeah. So I will do it. I right. will use it. Yes. And I'll be like, as much as that was hard work, I'm actually seeing some of the benefits of it. So, oh, that's good. Yeah. There's a reason. At least it gives me reasons to why I'm having to change this diaper. Right. Yes. Yes. Yes and yes, amen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, where can we find you? Speaking of Instagram and stuff, what's your studio called and what's your you know website? Yes. Oh, wow. There's a whole bunch of stuff there. So my Instagram is um, at big underscore chocolate seven eight. Okay. Seven eight. Yeah. Um, my Instagram is my, uh, sorry, my Facebook is my full name is Mark Edgar Alexander Cameron. Wow. And Mark is with a C. Mark with a C. And that Cameron is, correct. is also with a C. Uh, correct. And I think we can figure out Ed, Ed, Edgar, Edgar and yeah. Alexander. There you go. Okay. And then um, my studio is called the Dance Project SLC. Cool. It's in Cottonwood Heights. I'm just off Fort Union Boulevard. And the website is the Dance Project SLC.com. Um, again, you, on there, I'll have an email or info, and a business number that you can contact Great. for any information. 
Um, and then on top of that, like I said, there's events you can be involved in on Facebook as far as the peanut butter jam. There's a page that you can look at on there that talks about that. And that's a battle that we have each year, cool. which promotes kids and adults battling. And we raise money for um, kids that have no food. Yeah. Um, also at BYU, obviously. So you can check out, I think recently they had an article on me as well in the dance cool. magazine. So I teach there. Um, I also occasionally do masterclasses at Millennium Dance Complex in Salt Lake City. Awesome. So you can look for these kind of things. But also, you know, when I first moved to Utah, I remember thinking, what have I landed in? I I, mm. I did not think there was any hip hop here at all. And there's a thriving community. Wow. And a, and a great community of, of hip hop dancers and hip hop culture. And so what's interesting is, again, is without sounding cheesy, seeking you shall find. You know, if you're, yeah. if you're looking in the right places for what you want you will find them, especially yeah. in this day and age. It's there for and you. And if you can't find them, you'll build them. Yeah, you make them. Yeah, yep. I have my own studio. I'm like, I would like, if you were president for a day, what would you do? Yeah. That's mm-hmm. my mentality. I'm like, if I had my studio, I would do it this way. I right. think this is a good way to do it. Right. That's my small change in the world that I have 230 kids that look to me to lead them in some way, shape or form. And hopefully that will shape some difference. Yeah. You know? Well, thank you so much. This has been awesome. It was great to meet you and talk with you and, Yeah, thanks. You do this very well. You're easy to talk to. Yeah, thank you. It's my pleasure. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our music is by Jerem Hansen and artwork by Savannah Kiniston. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, please send me a note through my website, emvocals.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.